Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Next Question. On today's episode... I knew from the first time I picked up the ball, this was something I wanted to do the rest of my life. Just in time for March Madness, I sit down with Muffet McGraw, head coach of the Notre Dame women's basketball team. Muffet is one of the winningest coaches in the history of the sport. One of just five coaches in men or women's Division I basketball with more than 920 career wins. She's led the Fighting Irish to the Final Four an impressive nine times and has taken home the national championship title twice. Most recently and memorably in 2018, when Notre Dame won with a heart-thumping buzzer beater. Good! wins the national championship! 17 years to the day, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish win their second national championship. Hall of Famer Muffet McGraw is now in her 33rd season at Notre Dame, but she's always been an outspoken advocate for women in sports. In fact, during the NCAA Final Four last year, her impassioned press conference about the need for more women leaders went viral. We don't have enough female role models. We don't have enough visible women leaders. We don't have enough women in power. Girls are socialized to know when they come out, gender roles are already set. Men run the world. Men have the power. Men make the decisions. But wouldn't it be great if we could teach them to watch how women lead? When you look at men's basketball and 99% of the jobs go to men, why shouldn't 100 or 99% of the jobs in women's basketball go to women? Right now, few women sit at the top of the college athletics food chain. If you look at one of the most powerful jobs, athletic director, only 10% of them nationwide are women. Today, though, you'll meet one of them. Growing up in the industry, there weren't that many um, 
female role models in key decision-making positions in athletics. Carla Williams made history in 2017 when she became the University of Virginia's athletic director, the first African-American woman to lead athletics at one of the Power Five conference schools, the highest, most competitive level of college sports. As ironic as it is, most of my mentors, athletic director mentors, are men. Later, Carla tells us what it's been like being a pioneer in this male-dominated field. But first, Muffet McGraw on what's behind the lack of diversity in college sports and how she forged her own path. So my next question, in college sports, when are women like Carla Williams and Muffet McGraw going to be the rule, not the exception? If there's any indication of how good a leader Muffet McGraw really is, just look to what her players go on to accomplish. A Women's Basketball Hall of Famer, two Olympians, 22 All-Americans, and 22 current or former WNBA players, not to mention a number of coaches at the professional and college level. This is Beth Cunningham. I played for Coach McGraw and graduated in 1997, and I'm also in my eighth year coaching alongside her at the University of Notre Dame. Beth Cunningham is Notre Dame's associate head coach. She's one of a few former players we asked to talk about how Muffet shaped their lives on and off the court. She has taught me how to be a confident leader and how to lead. She's taught me the importance of doing things the right way, not necessarily the easiest way, but the right way. Muffet has taught me how, as a woman, to go after what I want from life. So to speak up for myself and other women at all opportunities. That's Sarah Liebscher, another former Muffet McGraw player and one of the originals, class of 1991. Sarah is now the Director of Athletics Advancement at Notre Dame. She taught me how to be resilient in the face of adversity, how to work harder than my mind and body thought capable, and ultimately, that to strive to be as good as a man is to underachieve. Over the course of her 40-plus year career, Muffet has had the chance to influence a lot of young women, but she says she never really set out to become a role model. I don't think I went into it thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to mold these young women and I'm going to be able to teach these women something about um, how they can step up and use their voice. You know, I don't think it was anything like that. It was all about just the game. And that love of the game goes way back to her days as a little girl, playing on the neighborhood courts in a Philadelphia suburb. Growing up in that time, no social media. There was, you know, really, you left the house, your mom didn't know exactly where you were. And it was always, I was down at the playground, me and nine guys down at the playground. And, you know, sports was always sort of a meritocracy. If, if you can earn it, if you have the ability, you're going to get in the game. So I was fortunate that I was able to get in the game and nobody ever looked twice at me. Muffet started playing basketball well before Title IX was passed in 1972. That law, you might recall, was part of a sweeping set of education amendments that made it illegal for any institution receiving federal funding to discriminate on the basis of sex. That meant schools at every level, from elementary to college, were expected to provide equal opportunities to their male and female students, both in the classroom and in the gym. And it was lucky for Muffet, back then, her Catholic high school was surprisingly progressive. 
Hard to believe, as this is, the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, was way ahead of Title IX. So girls were playing basketball in the late, and I know in the 60s, I'm not even sure if it was before that, but way before Title IX came out in the early 70s, they had teams for girls. But the program did have its limitations. When I was playing in the early 70s, uh, we were playing six on six at that time, which was horrible. And not even a, a real game of basketball. It started out three on three at each end, then it graduated to two at each end with rovers going back and forth. And then finally in high school, we got back to five on five. But we still had to do it while wearing a skirt. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been kind of awkward at times. Oh, my God. Let's not forget our femininity as, uh, you know, childbirth is a pain-free experience. But running up and down a basketball court, boy, that's that's something we're not ready for. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, it's nice to give the Catholic Church a little bit of credit for being progressive, at least in that arena, right? Yeah, for women, that's very unusual for them. Yeah. So meanwhile, you played basketball at St. Joseph's University, and women's varsity basketball was pretty much brand new there. What was it like back then to play at the college level, or did you feel like you were, you know, very well prepared for that given your high school experience? Well, it was the first year it was a sport at St. Joe's, first year returned varsity. So I was thrilled just to be a part of it. There were no athletic scholarships. You paid your own way. We did our own laundry. We, we drove ourselves to games. Uh, it was completely unlike what's going on now and and completely different from what the men were going through. We used to sit on the sidelines and wait for them to finish practice. And they would practice for as long as they wanted, whenever they wanted. And we would just wait, patiently waiting on the side till they finished and yeah, we could it sounds get the court. Like they, Muff, it sounds like the guys were real jerks. <laughs> they could be. I mean, they, they thought very highly of themselves and their programs. And, and not we were... very highly of you all and kind of, I think, you know, sort of dismissed your desire to play. Yeah, I think I think they absolutely did that. And, you know, socially, it wasn't that accepted at that time for women to be playing sports. So we had to fight against a lot of stereotypes and we didn't have a lot of advantages, but we just we played for love of the game. And that's that's all we cared about was that we love what we're doing. But how did you start to kind of develop your leadership skills? You know, I I think it started way back when I was playing at the playground down there with the nine guys. I think that some of the things that you learn, there's so many great lessons that sports teaches you about work ethic and sacrifice and being a team player and and understanding your role. A little self-awareness is always good. But the thing I learned from playing down at the playground, there's no supervision. There's no referees. So you learn conflict resolution. You learn that you have to stand up for yourself, um, you know, the ball was in or out, who hit it out, did I get fouled? And you start to learn how people look at each other. And if you're the kind of guy that is calling a foul every time you miss a shot, you find out that people don't want you on their team anymore. They're not going to enjoy playing with you. So I think you kind of learn a lot about personalities, how you can talk to some people a little differently than others. But I think the thing that fascinates me about leadership is how different so many leaders are, and they can all be successful. There's introverts, there's extroverts, uh, there's people that listen a little bit more, there's people that talk a little bit more. Um, but I think the biggest thing is leading by example is is something that I always tell my team, that's expected. That, that's, that's something that you have to do. Uh, that's not leadership. Leadership is not being afraid to use your voice. And especially as a woman um, starting out with not a lot of people supporting us, you had to be able to go out and really understand that this is what I want. This is what I'm going to say. And you can't think that much about what other people are going to say about it. What made you decide to give coaching a try? 
Well, I graduated from St. Joe's. I was a sociology criminal justice major, and I just really wanted to save the world and had no idea what that meant. Uh, sociology, not a lot of jobs really out there, and a local high school job opened. And so I thought, you know, I'll give it a try. I wanted to stay in basketball, but there was, wasn't the opportunity to play professionally. So I took the job at Archbishop Carroll, and my first practice, I was just completely consumed and knew this, this is definitely a passion that I'm going to pursue. You know, it was all about offense and defense. And I just, I love puzzles. I loved uh, just kind of doodling on napkins and watching games. And of course, we didn't have any female role models back then. So I'd watch the NBA. I'd look at things that they were doing and try to bring that back to the women's side. I know that you had a short-lived stint at the Women's Professional Basketball Association. And I'm curious what that was like for you, because that was a precursor to the WNBA. That was exciting for me. It was 1980. I played in California. Our team was the California Dreams. So my husband got to wear a shirt that said, my wife is a dream. And <laughs> we would uh, we would go to the arena and we could count the number of people there during the national anthem and, and probably name most of them. Um, so it didn't get quite the attention. The league eventually folded because of financial problems. My contract was for $11,000 and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And, you know, I knew it was going to be a, a difficult thing to start, but We've come a long way, obviously, since then. I mean, things have grown tremendously, and I think they're getting better now with Kathy Engelbert in charge of the WNBA. But we still have such a long way to go. What were some of the challenges back then to kind of get women's professional basketball to a place where people were supportive? I think the first thing was just having some media attention. And right now, and I think even today, I think we get about 4% of media attention across all of um you know, through ESPN or, or newspapers or whatever kind of, if there's newspapers out there anymore. Uh, we, we just don't get any attention. People didn't even know we had a league. And I think there's still some people that are unsure about the WNBA. So I think we need to have a little more better marketing, advertising. It's a great product. I think people have to come out and see it and they'll get hooked on it. It's happening in college. I think attendance has grown over the years. Uh, I think people are getting more excited about it. We're getting a little more exposure. I think we're on TV quite a bit. And I think that's really helping us. But we just have so much further to go when you look at what's happening on the men's side. And, and nobody wants the WNBA or thinks they should be comparable to the NBA. Not, not yet. Um, but I think that we need to make some strides. And you see what the soccer team is doing, uh, suing for equal pay. I was going to ask I, you about that, Muffet, about how if there's kind of, a, gosh, a, a, a ripple effect with what you see going on in women's soccer and if that's reaching other women's sports and kind of, you know, a rising tide lifting all boats idea. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping. And I think there's a couple of other sports. I think there's a women's ice hockey is trying to do the same thing. I think women's tennis has probably done the best job. Women's golf is still struggling with that. Um, I think all women's sports. And I, I think just we, we just have to change the attitude of how we're looked at. I was going to say media attention is one thing, and obviously, you know, they're kind of inextricably linked to attitudes and, and impressions and, and media exposure. But, but how much of it is just, you know, gender stereotypes that started when we were, you and I were young and that still exist in so much of the population today? I think most of it still comes from that, just from the way you're raised. I think when you look at the way people raise their sons and their daughters and you look at the differences and how they talk to them, what they compliment them for, 
Um, I think we're so busy telling our daughters how pretty they are, and we never tell them how smart they are. I we try to say them. that all the time to my daughters. Yes. I have two girls, and, you know, I really stop myself, even if I do think they look pretty or <laughs> I like their dress or their outfit or whatever. When they were growing up, they're now 28 and 24. But I always say, you know, you're so smart or you tried so hard. Now they're saying that girls and boys should be should be complimented for their grit and their effort, yeah. um, that, that that really is, is much more helpful, obviously, than even saying you're smart. It's saying, wow, you really tried hard, you really worked hard, and that's, that's great. I think that's so important because so often you see parents, at, especially at sporting events, you know, they, they want their, their child to be the best. Uh, they want them to shoot more. They want them to do more. They want them to play more. If, if they don't, it's the coach's fault. Um, so I don't think they have the, the right perspective instead of looking at it and saying, boy, you know, look, at I love the way your teammates react to you when, when you say something. Everybody's listening. I think you're a really good leader. I think you're a great teammate. Uh, your effort today was terrific. I saw you diving for loose balls. I saw you hustling really hard, and everybody really appreciated that effort. And things that you really can look at and say, this is important. And then they start to know that. It's, it's not about how many points you scored. Um, it's really about the way you play the game. Hi, this is Melissa Lechleitner, class of 2010. I played uh, point guard for Coach McGraw, which everybody knows is her favorite position on the floor. Melissa Lechleitner is the regional director of Notre Dame Athletics Advancement, a department that focuses on outreach and fundraising. Coach probably doesn't even realize the ways that she impacts her players' lives. Uh, obviously, she challenged us mentally and physically, day in and day out, but... She always made you feel and believe that you are so much more than basketball. Uh, she has helped me grow into the woman that I am personally and professionally. Uh, she really just empowers you to be your authentic self. And she's always a phone call away, a, a meeting, a lunch, uh, you know, if you need advice or support. I would not be who I am or where I am today without coach in Notre Dame. I also probably wouldn't be uh, as paranoid about showing up on time and so afraid of being late without her. When we come back, Muffet explains why the law that was supposed to change everything still hasn't fixed the massive gender gap in sports leadership. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. 
Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Muffet McGraw was named head coach of Notre Dame's women's basketball back in 1987, 15 years after Title IX was enacted. And while the number of female athletes at the college level has skyrocketed since then, the equal resources part of the law isn't necessarily being addressed. Title IX was the best thing for women ever. I mean, we went from about 200,000 girls playing sports to 2 million. Um, it was just a, a great thing for women, giving the opportunities and seeing how much they wanted those opportunities. But it, it really didn't take effect, uh, I think, for years and years. Uh, I'm still wondering if, if it's taken effect even now. And why do you think that's the case? You know, I, I think that there's a, a couple of, there was three prongs to Title IX that you had to uh, come up with as a university. And, and I think they were pretty easy to say, yes, we've given them opportunities, um, you know, wh whatever they're looking for, we've satisfied this. But what was the emotional part? You know, it was the support. Uh, right. Was financial support that we didn't have. You know, the men are flying places, we're taking a bus. There's, you know, eating at nice places, we're at McDonald's. And so there was just a lot of things. I think that emotional support there's a whole laundry list of things that you want to look at and say it's equal, but, you know, it really isn't the attention that we're getting. You know, when are we playing our games as opposed to when they're playing their games? Um, there's just so many things you had to look at. So de facto discrimination kind of lived on. Yeah, I think most schools willingly uh, added sports and did whatever they could, but it was financially it was difficult. And I think a lot of people thought if you're going to add women's sports, you're going to have to cut men's sports. And that was not exactly what happened. That was not ever intended to happen. And I think people use that as an excuse. So instead of just adding and we need more money, we're going to have to make more money to be able to support these sports and instead of cutting men's sports. So it was a great idea in theory, but in practice, it really did take a many, many years to go into effect. And some might argue it still hasn't fully leveled the playing field, so to speak. No, it, it really hasn't. I, I think it has come a long way, though. And I think that when we started out, you know, 90% of coaches, maybe more, were women. So everybody coaching a women's team was a woman who had been a pioneer and started out playing back before Title IX. And I think a lot of women thought, well, when we have a good program, when I'm winning enough, when I'm in a position where I can talk more, and I would look at that and say, if I'm not fighting for my team, what are they going to think? How am I representing them? How am I teaching them anything? So we, we started to fight a little bit more for 
just facilities and travel and, and assistant coaches' salaries and so many different things. And I think that women have to fight for themselves because, unfortunately, not many people are fighting for us. It was very depressing preparing for this interview. I learned that two years after Title IX became law, 90% of women's teams in college sports had female coaches. But today, that number is just under 42%. What the heck is going on? Well, what happened was eventually the salaries grew. And I think we got to a point, and this wasn't until probably late in the 90s, that coaching women's basketball actually became something that was worthwhile as a, in terms of financially. And so you saw a lot of men coming over into our game. They either couldn't get a job on the men's side. They, it, was, it was too much um, dues paying. They, they had to wait too long to have that opportunity. But if they went on the women's side, they could walk in and be a head coach uh, a lot sooner than they could on the men's side. And so a lot of the jobs turned into, obviously, men men coaching on the women's side. And so they had so many more opportunities than women because they could coach on, on either side. And the problem also was the athletic directors, mostly white men, are going to hire people who look like them. And I think men have a very different way of networking, of applying for jobs, of promoting themselves that women just don't do. And I think that uh, it was easy. You know, they'd go in and talk to the men's coach and say, what do you think about this guy? Do you think he could take over the women's team? And, and that's pretty much how it got started. You know, if I hear another story about a man failing up, I'm going to like slip my yep. wrist. I mean, every day <laughs> I hear about somebody with some job and I'm like, what? Wait a second. I thought they really screwed up. And then for women, you have the glass cliff. You know, mm -hmm. once they get into a leadership position, if, you know, it, it doesn't go perfectly, you know, sayonara. Exactly. And that's we see it on, on in sports a lot. You see recycled coaches, they get fired from one job, they move on to another. But when it happens to a woman, it's very, very difficult for them to come back and to get another job. And I think that one of the big problems is a lot of athletic directors and people in general look and say, well, we tried a woman, it didn't work, so now we're going back to hiring a guy. As if that one woman represented our entire gender and they couldn't say it just didn't work out with that particular woman, which is what they say when a guy fails. It's interesting because I know the NFL had the Rooney rule. Mm -hmm. And when it came to, to looking at coaches for every white man, they had to look at a person of color for coaching or management jobs. But I don't know how well that's worked. Do you? It's not. It's not working. I just read an article recently. I did that too. Said I did too. Uh, yeah. What, what happened? What's wrong with I think that they, approach? I think they're interviewing, but they're not hiring. And I think that they're kind of moving the... The idea of, oh, this is what you need to do this. You have to be an offensive coordinator. You have to call the plays. You have to do this or that. And so then then uh, men are promoted to that job. And then they say, now, you know what? Now we're, we're going to say this is what you need. So they're constantly kind of moving the line. Um, and it's unfortunate. And it happens in college sports as well. I think the diversity at the college level in women's basketball is is not nearly what it should be when you look at the tremendous amount of great athletes that we have in our programs. I don't think the coaching staffs represent uh, those players. There is truly so much to Muffet. And having known her for 33 years as a member of her first class at Notre Dame, I'm just one of the hundreds of people she's touched and impacted profoundly. Karen Keyes has had an impressive career in sports. A year of professional play, coaching at the D1 level, broadcast reporter, and now the coach of her former high school basketball team in New Jersey. I would describe her as authentic, genuine, candid, straightforward, even blunt. But some of that directness is the reason why she's such an effective communicator as a coach. Whenever Muffet told you something that you might not want to hear, 
deep in your heart, you knew it was what you needed to hear. And it might not all be comfortable and nice, but in the long run, she always had your best interest in mind as a player and person. When we come back, I'll talk with a game-changing athletic director who has more than a few ideas about how to level the playing field. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. It's often said, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And for a lot of young female athletes, they're still not seeing themselves at the top. Carla Williams is helping to break that mold. As I mentioned, she's the athletic director at UVA, my alma mater, Wahoo Wah. Carla says that playing sports gave her the tools to get this far. I do believe that sports is a great equalizer. I do believe that sports brings people together, whether it's teammates or fans um, cheering for their team coming from all different walks of life. And being able to participate in sports has opened so many doors for so many young people that um, may not have had the opportunity to go to college. I'm one of them. And so sports participation needs to be something that is available to any kid that wants to play. And I just think that's very basic and fundamental because that opens the door to all of those other benefits. So teamwork, hard work, time management, um, learning how to play with others, perseverance. 
Carla's been involved in every aspect of Division I sports. She played, she coached, and then she became an administrator, which is where she believes she can have the most impact. In fact, today, she's one of only four female athletic directors at Power Five institutions. There were five of us when I became AD at Virginia, and now there are four. And, and so I don't, I, it's hard to, to really have a good sense of how that's going to change in a year, two years, three years, or five, ten years. It's just really hard to gauge it. Of course, with great power comes great responsibility and the pressure not to fail. Carla does what she can for others, but also argues that the burden to change the system should not rest solely on women and people of color. I take seriously the opportunity to mentor. I do try to have uh, phone conversations, emails, and meet with people who want to learn more and grow in the profession. But at the same time, I have to do my job because I do realize that a lot of people are you know, excited and happy that this opportunity uh, existed for me. And so I do understand what it means to a lot of people that, that aspire to this. I also understand that it could be a burden also because my failure means a lot as well. And so I, I can't fail. Um, you know, and so that puts, uh, that's a, that is a difficult challenge. Um, and also, I don't, you know, creating a diverse workforce is not always the responsibility of the, for the people of color, <laughs> you know. And so I, I try to do my best, but if I allow myself to be, the person responsible for making sure that African-American women can become athletic directors, then I won't be an athletic director for very long. And so I really think it should be a shared responsibility. For me, I had some great um, role models who were athletic directors, and they were willing to include me in meetings, um, in decision-making conversations that were, you know, critical decision-making conversations, key decision-making conversations. That is one way to really help women gain more experience and be in the room so that we can be a part of that discussion. I think athletic directors who are willing to be inclusive in a substantive way, um, and that's really the only way to, to do it because it just cannot be a superficial check-the-box kind of position. It really needs to be, you know, engaged in real discussions. And then, of course, presidents and chancellors that aren't afraid to only look at the qualifications when hiring for athletic director positions. I think sometimes, you know, it's it's you're comfortable, you know, hiring people that you're comfortable with. And so... That oftentimes excludes uh, women, for sure, from those opportunities. Carla says diversity is key at all levels of college athletics. It's better for players, it's better for universities, and it's better for the game. Having a diverse set of opinions and experiences and thoughts to help make the right decision is really, really important. And it's, it's almost like you can't 
you shouldn't have a starting five that are all centers because you know that may not work you don't have your ball handler you don't have your perimeter shooter you know so there's strength in um having a balanced team in sports so that's a given in sports and so to me i see it the same in administration there's strength to having balance and to having diversity um, because you allow yourself to hear different opinions and different experiences to make sure that we're considering that we're we're making an informed decision and if everyone thinks like me then i'm not so sure that we're making a, a completely informed decision and so that's why i do uh, that's why i think there's strength in diversity muffet mcgraw agrees that diversity is something everyone needs to be working towards I think every coach in the country has to look and say, how can I support women? How can I hire more women? There's so many talented women out there in the WNBA. When they want to get out and start coaching, where is their opportunity? It's very difficult for them to break in. And that's where we need to have more positions. And the NCAA is looking at that right now, that we can have sort of a fellowship of being able to take a WNBA player on our staff, train them, uh, see if that coaching is something that they would want to do or, or be good at. And I think that's a good way to start. And how can you or how do you foster leadership skills and and coaches that are coming up through the ranks? Is there kind of a mentor program to get even more women in the pipeline? Yeah, we have we have some programs in our coaches association, but I, I think it's up to really the head coach looking at her players that we have to be mentors for them and what they see at practice. And I have to be a mentor for my staff. I want them to be head coaches. Uh, I recently had a an assistant coach go over to the NBA, and she's with the Memphis Grizzlies now. Neil Ivy, um, going to be one of the great coaches coming into uh, into college if she chooses to come back here. And so I think we need more of that. I think the NBA is way ahead of the curve. They're hiring a lot of women. I think there's maybe 10 or 11 women in the NBA right now that are getting great experience. Becky Hammond had to take over a game, the first woman to coach a, an NBA team because um, Popovich either got tossed or or uh, was not available for the game. So I, I think we're making strides. You saw in the Super Bowl, female assistant right. on San Francisco. Uh, I think it's it's coming. It's just so slow. But but we are seeing some change, and I guess we have to celebrate that and do whatever we can to to fuel more change in the future. I just like to see more women stepping up and using their voice and looking to hire and empower women. Coach McGraw prepared me to be a leader by challenging me. She was a great leader, but she led by example. She was so passionate, so hardworking. I really looked up to her for advice. She's always taught her student athletes how to be strong women and how to use our voice. That's Neil Ivey, an assistant coach at the Memphis Grizzlies, one of only nine female coaches in the NBA. Coach McGraw, I love you um, from the bottom of my heart, and I appreciate you helping me become the woman that I am. I think that um, I've learned the right way to live. Um, I think I've learned the right way to coach and the, the right way to, um, to just be a human being. Before we go, for anyone out there wanting to step up to become a Muffet McGraw or a Carla Williams, here's some advice from a pro. Always do more than what's expected of you. Do more. Do extra. Um, and that has helped me, you know, as a student athlete, whether it's in the gym getting up more shots or in the, the weight room a little bit longer or as a coach staying at the gym 
to recruit and see more players when your colleagues have already left. Um, it's just do just doing extra, just doing more, going the extra mile to learn more, to do more. Um, you know, is is something that I always give, and then outwork. Just work, 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 work. <laughs> we, you know, don't work 24 hours a day, but when you are working, make sure that you are working really hard um, and smart. That's it for this week's episode. I'd like to give a special thanks to Muffet's former Notre Dame players, Beth Cunningham, Sarah Liebscher, Melissa Lechleitner, Karen Keyes, and Niel Ivey. And go Irish, even though I went to UVA. By the way, you can subscribe to Next Question and listen to all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your favorite shows. And you can keep up with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest. Meanwhile, if you're looking for a little guidance on what's happening in the world and don't want to feel totally overwhelmed, sign up for my daily newsletter. It's called Wake Up Call. And you can get it by going to katiecurric.com. Until next time and my next question, I'm Katie Couric. Thanks so much for listening. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric, Courtney Litz, and Tyler Klang. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen. Our show producer is Beth Ann Macaluso. The associate producers are Emily Pinto and Derek Clements. Editing by Derek Clements, Dylan Fagan, and Lowell Berlanti. Mixing by Dylan Fagan. Our researcher is Gabriel Loser. For more information on today's episode, go to katiecurric.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katiecurric. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee visit rightrug.com that's r-i-t-e-r-u-g.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you 24-month financing is available with approved credit For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.